You're listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast, conversations between girlfriends who have the knowledge and information to educate and empower you before, during, and after a divorce. We are here to remind you that you're grown and you got this. Our guest today, Tara Seals, professionally known as the Bossy Educator, is a three-time best-selling self-published international author, educator, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and so much more. She creates education solutions for K-12 schools, students, and families via consulting, workshops, and keynote speaking. Her latest book, Divorce, The Unspoken Childhood Trauma, landed her on the 20 Black Women Authors You Should Know list, along with Nikki Giovanni and former First Lady Michelle Obama. I'm so excited to welcome Tara Seals today. Tara, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Kimberly. I appreciate it. And I'm super excited about sharing all of this amazing information with the listeners. So thank you for having me. Of course, of course. You know, this is such a big topic um, and to have someone give voice to the experience um, right. makes it, I think, not just personal, but it allows us to kind of hear, right, from mm-hmm. someone who has the lived experience, but has not only been through it, but is able to now share. So I want to, you know, really focus our conversation on your book. Um, as we've said, it's titled Divorce, the Unspoken Childhood Trauma. And you recall um, your experience as an eight-year-old child dealing with your parents' divorce. So you call it the, quote, unspoken trauma for children. Why do you call it that? I call it that because it's something that we don't talk about. Even a person in my family was like, trauma, your parents' divorce, how do those two things correlate? And I had to break it down to them to let them know that it is trauma. Matter of fact, uh, children that it happens to when they have children when they have parents that are divorced um, between the ages of seven and fourteen that's where they act out the most the behavior is usually increased during those ages and unfortunately for me it hit me smack dab at that age so it was definitely a traumatic situation I was a I was a child that loved family loved being with my family with my mom my dad you know having my preferences with my dad for a certain reason having my preferences with my mom for a certain reason. And so um, both parents create a balance and I no longer had that. So it's an unspoken childhood trauma. It's something that we don't talk about. Uh, Usually it's kind of like, oh, well, that's old stuff, you know, um, no need to bring it up again. That happened X number of years ago, but it's alive and well, uh, not only in my family, but several families throughout the United States. No, I I couldn't. Yeah. I mean, I I couldn't agree more. And I think, um, you know, mental health and protecting our mental health has certainly been a topic of conversation now. Um, and in our community, I think particularly Black women are getting more comfortable talking mm-hmm. about having a therapist, going to a therapist, but yes. we still haven't moved quite yet to <laughs> um, 
making sure that our children and their mental health is protected and creating a safe space. And so as a part of, you know, kind of the conversation and, and throughout your book, you talk about the importance of safe spaces for children. You know, tell me why you think that's really an important component, especially when you think about your eight-year-old self and what you could have needed or would have um, helped you um, process your parents' divorce and having a safe space? Absolutely. Well, safe spaces are very important because it provides the children with an opportunity to share their feelings and their emotions. I mean, grown people, they have their outlets, right? They'll call their sister girl or their homeboy or their mama, their daddy or whomever they feel comfortable with right. um, sharing what is happening, even sometimes before the therapist comes into play. Um, that safe space. So, and for myself, I was the type of child, fortunately, fortunately, God, that I knew how to go out and find my village. Okay. Uh, so, Miss Owens, my fourth grade teacher, was a part of my village. Miss uh, Carolyn Gardner, my uh, piano instructor, was a part of my village. Mr. Uh, Wilkes, uh, my band director, that taught me how to play trumpet, he was a part of my village, unbeknownst to them. Uh, but Miss Owens had a deep insight as to what was going on in my home okay. because I, I, the only person that I did have to talk to was my granny. And I mean, she was just an angel, um, rest in peace to her. But even now, you know, she uh, is an angel for sure. But she was definitely an angel in the physical because I needed someone to help me understand and dissect what was going on because the people that were in my household were not having those conversations. I think that's great that you kind of identify it's not just having a therapist, right? Because that certainly can help and, and finding right. a therapist for your child is great, but mm -hmm. there are other people as a part of their village that they need. And so whether that's the teacher, whether that's the football coach, whether that's, mm -hmm. you know, the dance instructor, yes. making sure that children are surrounded and have a community of people around them so that mm -hmm. they can feel comfortable sharing what they right. may not otherwise be able to share um, at home. Um, right. and, and I know, look, as a mom, my immediate thought is, <laughs> no, 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 you're sharing with me, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. However, however, I also know that growing up, it is important to be able to have conversations and relationships with other people outside of your own immediate family. Right. Um, and so creating those safe spaces for children, especially if your family is going through a divorce, is really, really important. Very important. And also, um, just to, like with Girl Scouts, for example, you know, my Girl Scout troop leader, uh, being around other Girl Scouts because unfortunately, well, fortunately for them, but unfortunately for me, I was at a school that I would say about 85 to 90% of the students there were in two parent households. Okay. So okay. this was my peer group that I was around. I went to a, um, all optional school. You had to actually test to get into the school. So okay. it was, you know, you're affluent, your uh, business owners were both parents were business owners. You know, my mom had to work overtime sometimes. So we had to stay at school after school program until six o'clock because, hey, mama has to work overtime. She lives downtown. She has to be able to get to you. Uh, and that was just another form of a village after school program. Um, okay. I remember uh, one of the pastors, one of the youth pastors at our church was actually one of the youth counselors for our after school program. Um, he was a person that was a part of my village because he understood how things look because he went to church with us. 
So he had insight as to who my mama was, you know, what her expectations were and all of that. He he kept a close watch on uh, my brother and I. So I always say that, yeah, you do want your children to, you do want to provide a safe space for your children. Absolutely. But you have to have uh, uh, you have to understand, you know, that your children will also have and create these relationships with other people outside of yourself. And I always say, especially if that person has good intentions and you vetted that person as a parent, then that is that is also great because that child may talk to that parent or other person, I'm sorry, about something that they may not talk to their parent That's about. Right. And then you all can have that conversation to make it, uh, to create that safe space that maybe your child didn't think, you know, existed. So. That's great. I, you know, all in my head, I'm thinking it takes a village. It takes absolutely. And it absolutely Absolutely. does. And I think during the divorce process, especially when you have children, there's so much going on for you as the adult, you need your own village, but making sure that your children also have, have a village. So I, I really appreciate you kind of bringing and giving voice to the village looks like a number of different things and can be created um, Mm -hmm. as a part of not just this process, but just as they grow and develop. Absolutely. So tell me this, you know, Mm -hmm. divorce is a heavy word. Um, You're a child and Mm -hmm. trying to navigate the quote divorce space as a child. Mm -hmm. What do you think parents should do when talking to their children or preparing to talk to their children to make sure that this adult experience Mm -hmm. doesn't then become a traumatic experience for them. Absolutely. So the first thing I think the parents should do, uh, Kimberly, is to have a conversation among themselves. The parents have to be on the same page because once you deliver the plan to the kids and you're not on the same page, now they're confused, just like you're confused. And I always say clarity breeds confidence. Without clarity, you can't have confidence, right? So once the mother and father have the conversation about, you know, this is the direction our relationship is going, we have children involved, let's make sure that we get on the same page first so that we know how to share this heavy conversation, a courageous conversation that a lot of parents choose to dismiss because it is a courageous one. It is a hard one. Oftentimes we run from things that are hard because we feel like children will not understand, but children are resilient, yet they should not be left out of the conversation because their environment is changing. Anytime the school is changing, it's usually a conversation, right? Right. Anytime um, they are allergic to chocolate cake, but they can only eat strawberry cake. There's usually a conversation, right? right? Like don't eat chocolate cake when you're with your auntie or when you're with your friends, because you know, you'll break out. Remember how you felt the last time, blah, 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 blah. So we explain all of these other minute situations, sure. but we don't have the heavy conversations with children. And obviously they can have them in the book you read well, where, you know, I had a conversation with my dad's side chick and was like, hey, uh, how would you feel, right. you know, if somebody had a baby with your husband? Right. <laughs> so if I can be eight and create this sentence in my mind to say to this woman, yes. unknown woman, by the way, okay, totally not a safe space, then why mm-hmm. couldn't the people that are my parents have a conversation with me in a safe space? They're my parents. 
you know, that's so important. Let, let me put aside for the moment the conversation <laughs> that um, had me on the edge of my seat thinking about this eight-year-old girl having this grown woman conversation. I'm going to put that aside for a second. Okay. <laughs> but what's really important from all of this mm-hmm. is having the conversation, right? Period. So yeah. you have to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. It should start out as a shared discussion between parents, because to your point, you have to get on the same page about what's the message that we're providing. It is a must, yes. I will add to that, mm-hmm. we want to make sure that whatever message we are providing is age appropriate. Because That's correct. That's correct. there are a lot of de- adult mm-hmm. um, issues mm-hmm. um, that lead us to a divorce. And mm-hmm. what is appropriate to share with a three-year-old Mm-hmm. is not necessarily as appropriate when you're talking to a 10-year-old and is very different from when you're talking to a 16-year-old. Absolutely. And so wanting to make sure that messaging mm-hmm. is joint message, mm-hmm. shared conversation, but also that it's it's age appropriate. Um, right. And also parents know they're, they're um, well, some parents, if they are present, uh, they know the maturity level of their child. And they've seen their children matriculate through school in different situations on the playground or in extracurricular activities, what have you. So parents have a good gauge at what they could probably share and push the button and push the envelope a little bit with their child or maybe not kind of pull back because you may have a child that's very sensitive to new information or, you know, I was a daddy's girl. Like me and my daddy would ride in his uh, truck or at that time he had a Monte Carlo before she bought the truck. But that's another right. <laughs> so we would we were riding his uh blue money carlo and he liked to chew big red gum and play his music loud well that was something that i really enjoyed doing with my dad something simple for somebody else but he but in the music that he was playing was mature music right so once again if you can right. play lenny williams right that's right we can have a conversation we can have a conversation we can have Let's a conversation but i go. i think it's Really, you know, your educators coming out and saying, you know, your children, you know um, how to gauge or you should or you should. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Because an eight year old who is more mature and can handle a mature conversation may be very different than the eight year old who needs a little bit more guidance in um, in understanding the changes. And and particularly if you have a child who has special needs, you want to, you know, have absolutely real care and consideration of their needs. But I would be remiss in failing to ask, Mm -hmm. what about the parent who's listening to this and saying, that's all great and fine, but my soon to be ex or my co-parent, we don't get along enough to Mm -hmm. be able to have the conversation together. How do you then talk to kids about divorce or about the relationship breakup when the adults aren't on the same page? Now, when they are not on the same page, they definitely need to insert a mediator or someone that they feel that they trust that could put them in a safe space to get on the same page before delivering this information to the to the child. Because 
in my opinion, that's a that's a selfish act. Okay. You know, you should want to get on the same page and what is the benefit the child. The child didn't ask to be here. You all had, you know, this amazing thing popping one day, one night, whenever it popped off. And hey, here's a child. They didn't ask to be in this situation. Um, and but now this is the situation. So let's deal with it. So when we're dealing with it, you have to kind of put yourself aside. And when you have a child, I always say that it's it's no longer about you. You have to actually consider the other person um, to make sure because you're creating your action has created a change in this child's life abruptly. Right. They, they knew that they knew nothing about it. In my um, situation, uh, personally, I knew nothing about, you know, the, the other person, this child that's now anything. supposed to be my sibling. Yep. I'm totally clueless to what's happening at all. My mom didn't even know you know, that certain things were happening. So how would we know if right. that's who the custodial parent was? So uh, definitely have that conversation. And then once those parents are able to come together, Kimberly, then in, the child needs to be involved in the conversation. And also it should be, um, it should be a conversation about the rules. Like what would the rules be at your house versus his house? The, that needs to be something that is on the same page as well. Because for me, my mom had her set of rules. At my dad's house with this unknown woman and baby, it was a set. It was a different set of rules there. So it's once again hardship on the children due to the actions of the parents. We have to understand that the children did not. They they are innocent in all of this. They they want their. I cannot tell you a a child that I've taught that will tell you. They didn't want their parents together. That's right. When they come when they when they when they came to school and they cried on my shoulder or just walked in class and collapsed crying profusely. They always said, "Why is he leaving? Or why did mommy leave?" You know, sometimes mommy leaves. It's not right. always dad that leaves. So they have these questions, and no one really has the answers because sometimes, guess what, Kimberly? No one knows why. That's right. That's right. So we don't even have an answer to necessarily provide them with because. There's not one. There's so what do we do with that? So once the converse, once once children are involved in the conversation so that they will know what's happening, if they have a soccer game tomorrow, you say, hey, now, Johnny, we have to prepare for the soccer game tomorrow at five o'clock. And that is something that is of enlightenment, right? It's, it's not heavy, but we still have to have the same kind of conversations, but you'll just frame it differently in order for your child to understand that, hey, change is coming. This is not what it is. If we move into a different house, we prepare them for that. If we move to a different, we go, if we were going to Florida for vacation, then we go to Cali for vacation. We talk to, talk to them about that. So why not talk to them about something that's going to affect them for the rest of their life? It's not just temporary. This is going to affect them forever because as children get older, they start having more conversations with their peers at school, in college. In college, I had friends like, yeah, I'm going back home, mom and dad, you know, we're having our annual get together. Whereas with me, I have to say, okay, well, I'm going to spend a few hours over here with mom and spend a few right. hours over here with dad. You know, and, and my mom personally, her parents are married for 50 plus years. She knows nothing about a daddy visit weekend sure, or anything of that nature. So she cannot relate to me going over to my dad's house. And then when I went over to my dad's house, it wasn't with him by himself, which is where I get to my other point, um, is we never had that time to connect with him by himself without a woman being around. And I really think it's important that people understand that try, you know, men and women both, they go looking for these soft places to land, Kimberly. Yep. 
but the child has a hard place to land every single time. <laughs> so how are you, the parent, looking yes. for a soft place to land? But here it is. I'm eight, year old, eight years old trying to figure out what the hell is going on. That's so true. That's so true. I, there's so much there. So let me, couple of things. One, it's not about you. I love that. Once you have a child, it's no longer about you, whether that's the divorce, whether that's where you want to live, where the... And while I know many of us as moms have struggled with, I'm losing myself in many ways once you become a parent, yes, Mm -hmm. there is that balance. But in the context of divorce, making sure that the children recognize, one, the divorce wasn't caused by them. This is not their fault. This is an adult matter. However, it does affect them. And so- making sure that they are a part of the conversation in the age appropriate. Again, I say that way um, that is necessary because change is happening and Mm -hmm. it is only fair and right that they are um, aware of the change that's coming. I love that you uh, referenced a mediator. You know, I'm a mediator Um, And I take my role very seriously when parents come to mediation, have no communication skills between Mm. them. There's a lot of uh, disconnect. However, they both can communicate. I love our children and I want to do what's right. And the first thing I'm saying is then we got to get on the same page mm-hmm. and put your adult issues aside so we can communicate a shared and united front as it relates to them. So similar to what you've said, which is, listen, this isn't about you. And so therefore, if the two of you can't get on the same page by yourself in terms of a message, then you absolutely need to work with somebody. And maybe that is a mediator. Maybe it's a therapist. Maybe it's your pastor. Yeah. But find somebody that you both can work with to really try to have this conversation so that it does start out ground zero in the in the right direction. The second piece of what you shared deals with the landing place, right? Yes, as adults, we all find our, again, whether it's safe spaces or soft landing places and Children don't often have that because we don't create or allow them to have that, especially when we are dealing with the added then significant other or new person where they didn't have the ability not to just process. My parents are splitting up, but now we've got the added person involved um, in the relationship. And so wanting to make sure, again, having the conversation talking about change, explaining what is happening. But I do want to ask you because in many situations and similar Mm -hmm. to yours, mom didn't know there are a lot of unanswered questions. However, you have one parent who feels the need to kind of always be the soft landing space for the children all the time, despite the other parents' indiscretions or behaviors. So, you know, talk to us about, as a parent, your obligation, one, um, to yourself, but also what your responsibility looks like 
in terms of having the other parent own their own behaviors and their own relationship with the children. Because it's well, not- I think that boils down, Kimberly, too, because sometimes that's the case. You know, they're able to um, silo their connection and their responsibility to the divorce, right? But some parents, and I've and I've seen this mostly in women from talking to my consultant, my um my clients that I consult, and also talking to my parents that I have worked with while teaching, is it's like the mom usually because yep. the mom is usually the soft place to land. It's usually as if they're making excuses for the male counterpart, and oh well, you know he's still your daddy, and right. I know he was you know, down the street with his side chick, but you forgive and forget and blah, 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 blah. But it's more so because of their soul tie that they have to this man that they just cannot shake him, Kimberly. Sure, sure. I think that's what it boils down to sometimes. So it's like, you know, hey, mom, you're responsible for this stuff, right? Right, right. You have your things. Hey, dad, you're responsible for this stuff and you have your things. Right. And so just imagine if two parents could come together and be like, hey, I got my thing. Right. And then come together and say, hey, I got my thing. And then they come together and have that conversation. Even at years after the divorce, sometimes it takes that long, right? For people to really understand yes. what their role was and everything. But it's important that you... Um, um, take responsibility for your own. I don't think it's I don't think it's wise to say, oh well, I'm the mom, I'm the soft landing. I'm just going to take responsibility for it all or what have you. Because as a mom, you do have to take care of yourself. I, I stress uh, self care to my clients all the time. You have to find carve out that time for me. We we carve out time for everything right. else, all the things except us. So I think that that is important to carve that out. But you also have to understand as a mother, you have an additional responsibility outside of yourself that you also have to carve out time for and see about, as my granny used to say, <laughs> as well, you know? Uh, and 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 usually, like I said, it's the mom with the dad, uh, in, especially in my situation, soft place to land, he had already found it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, hey, I'm good. Bye, peace out. I think this is going to be an easier road to take over here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It I, I agree. I think, but I think there's a balance, right? Because I think it's important that we protect children. We don't lie to children. However, this does not create an environment where you should kind of give voice to your own frustrations and issues with the other parent. Meaning mm -hmm. while you don't need to make excuses for the other parent, it's important not to then take liberties to then go above and beyond in terms of bashing the other parent. Of right? course, that That's, never works either. There, there is a there is a lane that we work within, and I think again, circling back to our the importance of the children having a village and having a community of outlet and being able to express their frustration and questions. I think that's very important because that will then allow them to maybe ask some of the questions and get a third party or a neutral kind of response yeah. that you may not 
have the capacity to give because you're struggling with your own. Um, right. That neutral ground is very important. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. I, I think the other thing you you referenced, and I, I want to call it out, um, mm-hmm. is this idea of the in and out. There's a chapter in your book that's about in and out, and that that's referencing your dad was in the house sometimes he was out your parents were trying to figure out kind of their relationship right talk to us about why that quote in and out is detrimental to children and how as a parent even if you're kind of grappling with i'm still not sure about it i'm ready to let go or not what Mm -hmm. you can do to protect your children who don't have the emotional capacity to actually do it themselves Absolutely. Keep the kids out of it. If you're not sure if you're going to be in all the way, if you're not sure you're going to be out all the way, when it, whenever you all have your entanglements or uh, um, uh, revelations about, <laughs> oh my God, you know, I want him back or I want her back. That's fine. Keep the adult folly do your thing. It's when the kids are affected is when I have an issue with it. Right. And that's the thing that I, I speak. I'm an advocate for children. So I'm speaking for the child, speaking from the child's aspect, speaking from a child of divorced parents, I've been there. And when a child sees their parents being in and out, you get these false hopes. And see, the the adults can play around with it. And our girl, he ain't call me back today. He gonna be over here tomorrow though, whatever. But the kid is like, he didn't come back. Where is he? Like, I thought he was gonna come back and help me with my science project. And he's not here. Well, why? Because y'all done fell out. You know, it's been some type of adult situation that you all, you know, you all are not agreeing right now. And so he runs off back to his soft place to land, you know, for a few days. And then, hey, when my mom is ready to, you know, kind of um, rethink her decision, then he comes back the next week and then he's gone again. So what is the purpose of involving the children around that? Well, you're not really sure what it is that you want to do. Um. Children love, um, 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 they they love the sense of knowing. Okay, knowing. with my students, for example, they want to know what they're doing next. They want to know how they did on the test. They want to know what the next unit is about. Okay, um, children they they really thrive in spaces um, that provides them with a safe place um, and consistency. Yep. And in and out does not provide consistency, unfortunately. So if you know that you're not going to be consistent in your physical presence, then just be, you know, in and out with that other adult. But to involve the kids in it, I think is nonsense. I think it's crazy. It, it confuses them. It makes them think that it's something when it's not. And then it's like, a, it's just like um, having a wound. And then somebody picking at it and then it closes and it's, you know, it's healed. And then somebody come pick at it again the next week. Right. Not it's a good. false hope. It's false hope. Either Definitely. you're together or you're not together. And certainly as adults, we struggle many times with figuring out, is this relationship together? Are we not together? What are we doing? But you're right. right. Making that decision as an adult is one thing. Mm-hmm. involving the children is another. So be right. intentional about your actions yes. when thinking about what makes the most sense, because we know getting a divorce and deciding to divorce, those are hard decisions to make. Hard decisions, hard decisions. And so 
I don't blame my parents, you know, for being in and out. Obviously, you know, she had a thing for him. Obviously, he had a thing for her. Hey, do right. your thing, right? Right. <laughs> right. But right. involving the kids is the part that I don't agree with because, as I stated earlier, it provides, a, a, it creates false hope and a sense of, oh, this is this is going to happen because once again, you have to understand that the kids. Uh, received this announcement and it was devastating right. about their family not being together anymore. So the hope that it could be back together. Yes. Oh my God. It's like your, your heart is crushing week after week after week because there is, it's an in and out situation. It's not consistent. So it makes me think of um, the requirement that doctors have when they are to share with a family that a family member has died that they have to give voice to the words, right? They have died Um, because you can't dance around it. You can't because people need to hear the words. And so very similar, when you share with the children, we are getting divorced. You have now put something out there Mm -hmm. that yes, they have now received. And so playing the emotional game with them of, wait, you said that you were getting divorced and now I turn around and you're here. Oh, maybe we're not. Maybe Mm -hmm. my parents are staying together. They changed their mind. They changed their (laughs) mind. And so it it creates chaos, confusion, right? And those things manifest themselves in many different ways. So we, again, want to be intentional about what your actions are and what they are communicating Mm -hmm. to your children. So thinking about actions and and things that we are modeling and certain behaviors we're modeling, there's a phrase Mm -hmm. um, in the book that I really like, and you reference positive masculine energy, and you Mm -hmm. reference it as something that is necessary for girls. Mm -hmm. What is that and why is it important? Well, positive masculine energy is energy coming from a masculine um, source, a man, obviously, um, that is providing you with understanding that it is a safe space with a man. It's masculine energy. You know that you are receiving love from your father. You know that the hug you get from your father is intentional, full of love, no ill intent. Uh, You know that that pat on your back that your dad gives you Um, When you uh, cross the stage and did good at school or whatever the case may be, that's positive masculine energy. And that masculine energy um, balances out the feminine energy that you receive from your mom. Uh, Unfortunately, Kimberly, as you know, some of our black mothers have also had to get some of that masculine energy on their feminine team because they're doing this thing by themselves. Right. So nothing, nothing, nothing. Um, uh, overweighs masculine energy from a masculine man in your life as a little girl that loves you, that shows you that first love from a man, that shows you um, that they're dedicated, they're committed, right? All of those words that we want from a man later on in life as sure. a little girl going into a young woman. Um, that that structure with having your father there and that confidence that he gives you, that self-esteem that, you know, from your dad, like that's everything. So for me, masculine energy was removed because my dad was removed due to his choices. But fortunately, Kim, oh my God, fortunately, I had my grandpa 
Okay. He's my superhero. That's my that's my mom's dad. Uh, rest rest his soul. But that was my positive masculine energy. He used to always say that girl can do anything. Like he always poured positive energy into me. So mm-hmm. I I knew how to identify it as I started dating. Okay. That's something that's important because what if I didn't have that exchange between my you know change out from my dad from my grandpa? Sure. If I had nothing. Then how would I even know to identify how to identify positive masculine energy? So I agree with you 100 percent Where I'm gonna sure. move it though is yeah, couldn't the same be said for boys? Meaning, right? That it is just as important for boys Absolutely. to see and model positive oh, masculine energy so that yeah. they too know, right, how to have appropriate relationships as they get older because and that's why I said that balance is so important that positive masculine energy and that feminine feminine um positive energy as well with the mom and the dad so that's what creates the balance and of course me and you both know Kimberly in all double parent households you do not see what we are talking about but this is the standard honey okay yeah no (laughs) I I think it's all about role models right and and make no mistake Yes. Two parent households by no means equals perfection because Correct. there's a lot of dysfunction, whether it's single parent household or, you know, two parent household, mm-hmm. um, you know, heterosexual um, okay. or same sex couples. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their challenges. I think yes. what we want to communicate and share today is really yes. the importance of the behaviors that we as adults are modeling for our children so that they, right, um, can learn from the original sources in their village, in their community as they grow and develop because you have successfully navigated your life and have gone through and and become very successful despite these experiences but we know that there are children who don't and they struggle with it. But not without challenge as well, you know, because there were several challenges that I, along the way, had to overcome in order to get to the next level of my thought process, my mindset, um, to just kind of change how I viewed, you know, um, certain situations. And I and, and it's important, um, I'll go back to what you said uh, one more time about the, the about the masculine energy and the feminine energy. Because I'm speaking from the girl standpoint as a little girl being eight years old, but we definitely need that for our boys as well. Um, And they need to see the feminine energy as well. So they'll know how to handle it when they are coming into relationships later on and uh, their love ships. Right. And learning how to not only love other people, but even love themselves, because I think inside you have a mixture of feminine and in, in uh, masculine energy. Yes. And like I said, with, with single moms, sometimes some of the things that we like to do as a woman, it may be looked as more as masculine. Like, oh, she likes to go and ride on dump trucks and, you know, get muddy <laughs> or whatever the case may be. Well, to some people that may be masculine or whatever, but you need a balance. Kids want us to be present. Kids want us to, kids love structure. Yes. They love structure. I'm a special education teacher. Uh, working with kids. I've worked with kids in all grade levels on the collegiate level as a college professor. The oldest student I've had was 78 and she loves structure. Yes. yes. <laughs> so it doesn't, it doesn't change. We become adults that can appreciate structure. So once we provide that to our children, as soon as possible, 
then we are providing them with a more leveled life where they can kind of organize their things and uh, be the best people that they can be. And hopefully save them a lot of time and money in figuring yeah. out through therapy or other, you know, journeys, um, yes. what we as adults have learned and are now able to share. I said to you earlier, I was going to circle back to the reference of quote her, um, <laughs> as she is referenced in the book. This is, this is your father's, uh, oh, that's his wife. That's his wife. It I'm is honest. now his wife. And well, yeah, she's been his wife, uh, for years now. Um, but I, she's an unknown to me. Yes. Um, she never really, uh, put any, put forth any effort, uh, to build a relationship. You know, she had our own child and, you know, she had her, she had the man. So I guess she thought she had what she wanted. And that of course came with its own challenges as well, because just because a man marries somebody else doesn't mean the behaviors change. Sure. People are who they are. Uh, but yeah, I refer to her as her in the book. In the book. And, and, you know, you, you give voice to the fact that they did get married at some point and that they had um, children of their, of their relationship. But I want to talk to you about okay infidelity in families, right? Because mm -hmm. it is a reality for many families. Mm -hmm. um, and how you think looking back all the years later and lessons learned, how you think your parents or parents in general can navigate kind of this adult issue to really kind of lessen the emotional trauma for children. Right. Um, well, I feel that when it comes to um, lessening the blow, right? Yes. The sooner the better uh, when you are having a conversation with them, uh, being clear about what it is, what the goal of the family is, because even though the family is dismantling, it's still a family. Right. He's still my dad. She's still my mom. I'm still their child. It doesn't end because the divorce ends. So kind of um, organizing how that's going to look after the fact as well, having that conversation, you know, are we going to introduce people to our children? Are we not going to introduce people to our children? Um, and vetting that person, you have to, you have to make sure that this person is a person that is accepting the entire package, not just you, right. but the entire package. So that means whatever he comes along with, you are agreeing that you are in agreement with what is happening. So you have to understand that we cannot just act as if, oh, well, yeah, that's just some girl I'm talking to, but she's there every weekend. And there's no explanation as to who this person is and what her new, what her, what is her role? My mom has a role. You have a role. What is her role? Other than mm -hmm. telling me that, you know, uh, what are we going for dinner or whatever? And, or, or just being a part, why is she a part of the conversation about where we're going for dinner? Like, why is she a part of the conversation at all? Right. <laughs> but you that's know? true. Having, yeah. But at least having the conversation. And I think, yeah. look, we come from a community where it's where children, you don't ask these questions. You're yeah. seen, not heard. However, right. let's be real, right? Be real. Children right. have questions and they should in many ways have um, a right to at least be respected in terms of what's happening. Meaning, if you're having a guy or another female 
during your parenting time, right? Then you need to give them the heads up. You talk about in the book, making it very clear that while we have our time together, I'm going to protect and preserve our time together. And then maybe as things go forward, with this other relationship, then gradually right. introduce. Maybe we can but, integrate. Yes. Right. But, but, have but, a not, but, but it shouldn't be pushy. It should be something that's very lax, um, not something that's pushy at all. Ask the child questions. You know, it may be something where you are at the mall and they just come or at, at dinner and they come up to the table and say, hi, how are you? It's just a quick introduction, like that person not knowing. And that child, well, you know, hey, um, so... Kimberly, how did you, you know, what did you think about that lady or whatever? Oh, uh, dad, she was this or whatever. Oh, well, you know, and of course, like I said, I had very mature conversations um, as a child. I mean, I was a scholar. I read all the time. I had a granny that didn't sugarcoat anything. My mom <laughs> didn't sugarcoat anything. So, you know, if I had questions for him, he just didn't know what to do with me, Kimberly, really. Well, and here's the deal. Or her, for that matter. Or well, her. Yes. I, you know, and here's, you know, to be fair, I think, especially now when I think about my own children, there are times yeah. where, you know, they will ask me questions and, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what, I don't have a great answer for this because I can't answer it myself. But I think we have to be real about that, right? That's so right. I think it's only fair to say to them, I don't have a good answer for you. Here's here's where things are. never answer the question at all. Right. And when it I asked her that question, right. she froze. She was not prepared at all. Well, and I was going to say, okay. I don't want to give all the goodies away. I want people to go and, and to purchase your book um, because that is the moment where I was thinking, oh, whew, okay, I'm waiting to hear what she has to say yes. in response. So yes. um, definitely. And she still definitely. hasn't answered that question, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> all I, I, these I years only, later. Yes, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Oh, so, yeah. Tara, as we think about just generally, again, childhood trauma and as parents mm -hmm. things that we can do as you were writing this book and sharing your experience what are three things that you hope parents particularly mothers will walk away with well particularly mothers I hope that they walk away with the fact that it's very important not only for mothers, but for fathers too. It's very important to research and be careful with who you breed with, okay? <laughs> because if that person comes from a traumatic background, which my father does, he has all kind of drama and chaos. And with my mom being a person that is from six kids, all the kids, same household, same mom and daddy, and you marry a person that they're family doesn't look like that that's just a red flag to begin with especially if you know what your jam is right sure. um but also because it was a situation where he was all about himself and very selfish in his approach with doing things he made sure that he made the choice that he thought was best for him and he later found out that it wasn't okay um and we we did have that mature conversation later when he could you know, kind of uh, accept what I said. And and he really didn't even necessarily accept it, but he just had to deal with it because that was the conversation that I wanted to have at that time because that's that's how I felt. 
I also uh, wanted parents to walk away with understanding that it's important to know what the divorce laws are in their state. Every state is different. Uh, make sure you find that out before you decide to have a child, because if you have an expectation of $30,000 a month, you only get $300 a month. <laughs> You're already starting out with right. being disappointed before you even have a child. So go and get all of that information, gather it, uh, and also make sure that if this is a person that you feel like you will get married to, and if things were to go haywire, could you co-parent with this person? Do you know is this person somebody that you would want your is is their mother a person you would want your child to call their grandmother? Right. You know, do you want to have this interconnection with somebody else's family for the rest of your life? That's yes. what children bring. It's for the rest. My granny used to call it a lifetime sentence. Hey, some may agree. Some may not. She probably didn't, you know, put the word so cute, but it all means <laughs> the same. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like she was a straight shooter, you know? And so you just have to be very honest with yourself about what your choices are. And even if you marry someone, I have an associate that married someone, she was dead set on not having any children. She had um, her missions and her goals for her life that she wanted to carry out. She met someone, he was dead set on having kids. So from the beginning, you all were not on the same page, but you got married anyway. Had a baby six months into the marriage. I mean, six months, um, well, they were married for, I guess, two years. Baby, six months, you out the door. I can't take it. It's too much. Da, 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 da. So you changed her. She, not he, but she changed up her whole game plan based off what somebody else's desires, hopes, dreams, and wishes were. And I tell women all the time and men that that's not smart. If a person does not align with your hopes, dreams, wishes, if a person does not align with what you see would be a good uh, a bonus mom or bonus dad, I don't even use the word stepmom and stepdad. I'm a bonus mom. And I take I, I take that to heart. Uh, we have a great relationship. And so I always refer to her as my dad's wife, not even stepmom. Right. Okay? That's not good. That's right. not good. Right. But you should want the person that you find that's your soft spot to be on the same page with your child, to be on the same page. And, and that person is just much as a co-parent as the, the mother, yes. you know? So, or if you go and if it's a mom and it's the, it's a step, it's the stepdad or the bonus dad, same situation. That person is, I call it all hands on deck. Yes. That's how it was when my bonus son um, was a minor. It was all hands on deck. He got sick at a um, baseball game, hurt his shoulder. We went to the hospital, ER, me, him, his mom, my husband, his dad, his co-parent. Okay? All, the all of us were around the bed, all hands on deck. Yes. And, you know, the doctor's like, well, who are all these people? And so we said who we were. And he was like, wow, nobody's fighting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm yes. like, I'm I've just never been about that. That's not my deal because at the end of the day, kids are um, uh, amazing creatures. They are influenced by the smallest of things. They are watching when we don't think they are. They're paying way more attention, Kimberly, than we, we could ever give them credit for. Um, and I just think that we have to be very careful with these uh, these souls out here that we are influencing and teaching and um, um, uh, being, being we're, we're in front of them you know, creating these actions and we expect them to not speak on them. We expect them to not mimic them. We expect them to not talk about them. Y'all, they talk about your business at school because you're not having conversations with your kids. Well, but we were <laughs> expecting them not to do these things, but at the same time to then be functioning adults. And that's just not a reality. Yeah. 
we have to model the behavior and those things that we want them to really learn and grow because otherwise, how will they learn if they don't learn right. the right way? Right. And you want them to, and you want them to learn and grow and they will, because of the conversations sometimes are not happening at home. They will find people at school to have those conversations with. Yes. Um, and, it, or at church or wherever the case may be. And, but we also have to be honest, Kimberly as well. Unfortunately, some of these people that they choose to um, have conversations with because we have not taught our children about boundaries. Right. We have not taught them who to trust, who not to trust. They go and trust anybody. And then that person has bad intentions and then bad things happen due to bad intentions. So I would suggest you have the conversation first so that they wouldn't even have to meet the person with a bad intention. And when they do meet a person with bad intentions, they know how to say, uh, uh, uh. Right. my mom and daddy told me about that. That's a red flag. I don't think this is appropriate. Blah, 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 blah. So we just have to, It's it, you know, being a parent is so complex. That's the reason why the village is so important. And when the village and, and parents have to also accept the village, Kimberly. Yes. Uh, a lot of parents say, oh, I don't have any help. You know, no one can do this for me or whatever. Well, they may not do what you want them to do. Okay. That's sometimes the issue. <laughs> they may not babysit because you're trying to go to wherever, but they will go and pick up or they will help with homework or go on a Zoom call and say, hey, I can help you with your fractions today or whatever. But we have to also uh, accept the village. If you have a village and they're willing to assist you, let them let them help. But of course, vet them as well. I love it. Vet who you are bringing into your home having conversations, accepting help in the village, modeling good behaviors. These are all really helpful and important things to help us prevent childhood trauma, especially as the result of, of a divorce in families. So Tara, I'm so glad you joined me today. It has been such a pleasure. Absolutely. Please share with us where we can find your book and other services because we absolutely want listeners to purchase your book, Divorce the Unspoken Childhood Trauma. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Everyone, you can find me at thebossyeducator.com. There you will find uh, my podcast, which is the Talk Tank podcast. You'll also find my event, the Talk Tank uh, you will find how to sign up for my newsletter. You will find our merch and all of the services that I provide as the Bossy Educator can be found at thebossyeducator.com. Also, if you love Instagram, you can go on Instagram. It's the Bossy Educator. So easy enough. I'm there to assist. I so love it. happy about this, Kimberly. Such a great conversation. Such a needed conversation. Thank you so much. much. Thank you. Absolutely. So much. Thank you, Kimberly, for having me. I appreciate the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. Remember, though you may be going through a difficult time, you're grown and you got this. Please be sure to tell your girlfriends about us. Follow us on Instagram at Grown Girl Divorce and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any new conversations. The conversations on this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to substitute working directly with a lawyer. These episodes are not to be used as a basis to support or defend 
any legal action and transcripts or recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner.